Delicious, meat nutritious, and the snack that packs a real protein punch, wonderful pistachios. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value and making wonderful pistachios one of the highest protein nuts out there. But perhaps more than that, I love all of the flavors they have. Their sea salt and vinegar ones are my favorite when I'm craving that flavor, but still want to keep it healthy. But that's just the tip of the iceberg. Wonderful pistachios come in a variety of flavors like chili roasted, honey roasted, smoky barbecue, and jalapeno lime, to name a few. Perfect for enjoying with family or friends and taking them with you on the go. Whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snacking game today. So fill up with a healthy snack when hunger strikes. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. That's wonderfulpistachios.com. This is Optimal Living Daily, episode 513. If you're busy, you're doing something wrong. The Surprisingly Relaxed Lives of Elite Achievers by Cal Newport of calnewport.com. And I'm Justin Mollick, the guy who reads blog posts to you every single day to help you optimize your life. And definitely with permission from the authors, otherwise that would be copyright infringement. And today I have a post from Cal Newport, Associate Professor of Computer Science at Georgetown University and author of Deep Work, which has been highly reviewed. In fact, the author I'm reading tomorrow for Minimalist Monday will mention it in that post, strangely enough. And I'm gonna keep this Sunday intro nice and short for you, so let's get right to it and start optimizing your life. If you're busy, you're doing something wrong. The Surprisingly Relaxed Lives of Elite Achievers by Cal Newport of calnewport.com. The Berlin Study. In the early 1990s, a trio of psychologists descended on the Universität der Kunst, sorry for the pronunciation, a historic arts academy in the heart of West Berlin. They came to study the violinists. As described in their subsequent publication in Psychological Review, the researchers asked the academy's music professors to help them identify a set of standout violin players, the students who the professors believed would go on to careers as professional performers. We'll call this group the elite players. For a point of comparison, they also selected a group of students from the school's education department. These were students who were on track to become music teachers. They were serious about violin, but as the professors explained, their ability was not in the same league as the first group. We'll call this group the average players. The three researchers subjected their subjects to a series of in-depth interviews. They then gave them diaries which divided each 24-hour period into 50-minute chunks and sent them home to keep a careful log of how they spent their time. Flush with data, the researchers went to work trying to answer a fundamental question. Why are the elite players better than the average players? The obvious guess is that the elite players are more dedicated to their craft. That is, they're willing to put in the long, tiger mom-style hours required to get good, while the average players are off goofing around and enjoying life. The data, as it turns out, had a different story to tell. Decoding the Patterns of the Elite We can start by disproving the assumption that the elite players dedicate more hours to music. The time diaries revealed that both groups spend, on average, the same number of hours on music per week, around 50. The difference was in how they spent this time. The elite players were spending almost three times more hours than the average players on deliberate practice, the uncomfortable, methodical work of stretching your ability. This might not be surprising as the importance of deliberate practice had been replicated and reported many times but the researchers weren't done. They also studied how the students scheduled their work. 
the average players, they discovered, spread their work throughout the day. A graph included in the paper, which shows the average time spent working versus the waking hours of the day, is essentially flat. The elite players, by contrast, consolidated their work into two well-defined periods. When you plot the average time spent working versus the hours of the day for these players, there are two prominent peaks, one in the morning and one in the afternoon. In fact, the more elite the player, the more pronounced the peaks. For the best of the best, the subset of the elites who the professors thought would go on to play in one of Germany's two best professional orchestras, there was essentially no deviation from a rigid two sessions a day schedule. This isolation of work from leisure had pronounced effects in other areas of the players' lives. Consider, for example, sleep. The elite players slept an hour more per night than the average players. Also consider relaxation. The researchers asked the players to estimate how much time they dedicated each week to leisure activities, an important indicator of their subjective feeling of relaxation. By this metric, the elite players were significantly more relaxed than the average players, and the best of the best were the most relaxed of all. Hard work is different than hard-to-do work. To summarize these results, the average players are working just as many hours as the elite players, around 50 hours a week spent on music, but they're not dedicating these hours to the right type of work, spending almost three times less hours than the elites on crucial deliberate practice. And furthermore, they spread this work haphazardly throughout the day. So even though they're not doing more work than the elite players, they end up sleeping less and feeling more stressed, not to mention that they remain worse at the violin. I've seen this same phenomenon time and again in my study of high achievers. It came up so often in my study of top students, for example, that I've coined a name for it, the paradox of the relaxed Rhodes Scholar. This study sheds some light on this paradox. It provides empirical evidence that there's a difference between hard work and hard to do work. Hard work is deliberate practice. It's not fun while you're doing it, but you don't have to do too much of it in any one day. The elite players spent on average three and a half hours per day engaged in deliberate practice broken into two sessions. It also provides you measurable progress in a skill which generates a strong sense of contentment and motivation. Therefore, although hard work is hard, it's not draining and it can fit nicely into a relaxed and enjoyable day. Hard to do work, by contrast, is draining. It has you running around all day in a state of false busyness that leaves you, like the average players from the Berlin study, feeling tired and stressed. It also, as we just learned, has very little to do with real accomplishment. This analysis leads to an important conclusion. Whether you're a student or well along in your career, if your goal is to build a remarkable life, then busyness and exhaustion should be your enemy. If you're chronically stressed and up late working, you're doing something wrong. You're the average player from the Universität der Kunst, not the elite. You've built a life around hard to do work, not hard work. The solution suggested by this research, as well as my own, is as simple as it is startling. Do less, but do what you do with complete and hard focus. Then when you're done, be done and go enjoy the rest of the day. You just listened to the post titled, If You're Busy, You're Doing Something Wrong, The Surprisingly Relaxed Lives of Elite Achievers by Cal Newport of calnewport.com. And if you need help with that focus, I'm actually gonna read a post later this week from Zen Habits All About Focus. And again, Cal Newport has a popular, highly reviewed book called Deep Work that you can check out. Now, if you wanna help keep this podcast going, I set up a Patreon page with rewards for different contribution levels. For less than seven cents an episode, seriously, is $2 a month, 
You can get this podcast in your podcast app with the outro and any ads and promotional content like this section right here removed for you. Up it to $5 a month and you'll get 10 times the bonus raffles to win books from me. And there are even more rewards like receiving handwritten love notes from me. Okay, not really love notes, but I will mail you a letter every month and more. If you're in a position where you can support, it'd help a lot. I'm about 75% to my first goal, which will pay for the new relationships podcast. Right now it loses money every month. To participate and get those bonuses, come by oldpodcast.com slash help. And again, this little pitch right here will be cut out for patrons of the show. So have a great Sunday and start to your week. I'll be back tomorrow for Minimalist Monday. I'll see you there where your optimal life awaits. Hey, this is Dan from the Optimal Finance Daily Podcast, which is a lot like this show, except more focused on personal finance. Justin handpicks the best posts he can find from blogs and authors like Ramit Sethi, Mr. Money Mustache, and more, and I read them to you five days a week. So if you enjoy this podcast, come on over and subscribe to Optimal Finance Daily too. And together, we'll optimize your financial life. You've been listening to Optimal Living Daily. Be sure to hit the subscribe button to stay up to date on each new episode and head to oldpodcast.com. That's oldpodcast.com for a free gift as well as more actionable tips and resources to help you maximize your potential. Thanks for joining us. And remember, your optimal life awaits.